Tick, 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 all right, yeah. You might be thinking, how long is he going to say tick for? <laughs> well, I would like to go on. If I could have a whole sermon worth of ticks, then I would take it from you, but I don't think you'd put up with it. Our sermon today is about time. In particular, the idea that none of us has an infinite number of ticks. And there will come a, there will come a day when the clock says tick, 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 stop. Let's pray together. Father, teach us to number our days. We pray that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Pray you would speak to each one of us through your word today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There are two Bible readings today. Firstly, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, right at the beginning of your Bible. If you'd like to, please do turn with me. Genesis 1, verse 1, it's on page 3. Or you might like to just listen carefully. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Our second reading is Psalm 90 on page 599. Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days 
that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I had a full medical recently, which I've not had before. Have you ever had that? When the, you know, they go to the GP and they sort of ask you everything. They sort of tap your knee and they take your heart and they do the blood pressure. They ask you all about your mental health and your family's health. And like an hour later, I feel like I told you everything. And then you get back this little sheet of A4 paper, which sort of summarizes your entire body and mind. <laughs> and rather, well, thankfully, I'm, I seem to be in good health at the moment. But they give you this little horrible statistic. Peter Snow has an 8 in 1,000 chance of a stroke or a heart attack in the next 10 years. I'm like, oh my goodness. I never even thought about having a heart attack or a stroke in the next decade, but apparently there is an 8 in 1,000 chance. I'm told that's that's okay. It it could be worse, but I'd rather it was zero. We will all die, won't we? Whether it's in the next 10 years or in the next 100. I see some of you who look very young. Congratulations, but I believe in a hundred years, you too will be gone. Haringey will be occupied by completely new people. Isn't that a strange thought? And St. Paul's Haringey, God willing, if the church is still here, none of us will be here. Totally new people in a hundred, certainly 120 years' time. For a while in my life, I lived in Putney in southwest London, which is not as good as Haringey. But there used to be um, a place right on the crossroads in Putney, if you know, at the end of the high street near the station. And on the side of the building, someone has put a sundial and in massive gold letters underneath the sundial. So everybody who stops at those traffic lights see it. It says, time like an ever rolling stream, which is a line from a hymn that we're going to sing after the sermon by Isaac Watts. It's based on Psalm 90. And I I used to sit at those traffic lights thinking, why did they put that there? I mean, that's such a, such a Christian thought that comes from, from Psalm 90. But it's there to remind me on my commute every day, it seems, that time is like this big ever-rolling stream. I was reminded of it recently because I was walking along the Haringey Ladder and you know those bridges that go over the New River? And I was standing, I had a moment, I was standing looking over, looking down at the water in the New River, which, if you know it, just flows very slowly. Uh, downhill, I think, for several, several miles to it gets to the reservoirs but it does flow even though it's slow and I stood there watching it thinking it just keeps on going doesn't it you can't stop that and you could stand in the middle of the new river and you could say stop and you could spread your fingers as wide as you could or do your best but you couldn't stop the ever rolling stream and you could stand in the middle of time and you could say stop I don't want time to go any further I want to stay as I am I want to be as young as I am I want to be as happy as I am and time would not care it would just carry on ticking You can't stop time. You ever looked at something that seemed really far away and you thought, that's never going to come? I distinctly remember being five years old. (laughs) And I thought, I'm five. This is great. I'm so big. And surely I will never be six. I mean, six felt like the, the highest possible achievement, but I'll never get there. But guess what? 
It came. <laughs> it came. Do you remember thinking, I'll never be 18. No way. And yet your 18th birthday, I mean, some of you haven't had it yet, but you know, it, it rolls around. You get there. I seem to get to every big, but I will never be 30 years old. That's ridiculously, oh, goodness me. At the moment, I'm in denial about being 40, but it's creeping up on me. And it, it, maybe it's that way with every birthday. You know, I'll, I'll never be that old. I will never be. But you can't stop time. You stand in the middle of the stream. Time is such a precious resource that the language we surround it with um, shows that. You know, we, we manage time. We spend time. You ever noticed that? We spend, like you spend money. Money is precious and time is precious. You save time if you can because you want as much of it as possible. People are time wasters and they're annoying. Time passes, time flies. Time is of the essence. Time. If like me, you get to the bus stop and it says 10 minutes on the readout or, or more, you think, oh my goodness, this is, this is rubbish. 10 minutes of my life is going to be wasted at this bus stop. Or somebody at work calls a meeting and it turns out to be boring and you, know, you, could, have, you could have used the time elsewhere. You think, oh, this is such a waste of time. It's because time is precious and you can't get it back. Tick, 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 tick. We are looking here at St. Paul's at a mini-series called Here and Now. And uh, I am borrowing shamelessly from this book that I showed you last week. It's called Faithfully Present, Embracing the Limits of Where and When God Has You by Adam Ramsey. Uh, we sold plenty last week. I can see one copy at the very back. So if you would like the last copy in the building for £6, then you can have that before you go. Last week we looked at the idea that we are, we are always here. You can only be in one place. And this week I just want to look with you at the idea that you are always now. You can only be in one moment. And then next week we'll go back to Luke's Gospel. Now that might fami- that sounds familiar. I mean, plenty of people in London say, you've just got to be in the moment. You've just got to live in the moment. I mean, there's no, there's no point trying to live in the past or the future. But I want to say to you, y- yes. And if you're a Christian, you have extra resources in a way that, that other people don't have. Because a Christian can look back at the past and say, well, I wish I could do that again, but God has forgiven me. And a Christian can look at the future and say, I am so scared of what might happen in the future but God will be God. So you, you have so many, so many more resources to live in the here and now, which is the only place you can live anyway. So for a few moments, I want to uh, focus on Psalm 90. That's where, that's where we'll base our thoughts. And I'm really just going to do what we did last week. I'm going to compare God and us. And then we'll finish. So firstly, let's look at, let's look at God as much as we can together. Um, The Lord is everlasting. Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. The Lord is everlasting. If you have it there, do you see it begins? A prayer of Moses, the man of God. And he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Moses was this famous biblical guy who led Israel through the desert, and they were homeless. So for him to say, Lord, you have been our dwelling place... That's amazing, that's, that's profound, because they were wandering nomads in the Sinai desert. And look, my, I mean, my goodness, my heart is broken this week as I watch Israel and uh, Palestine tear each other to bits, but this is a deep thought that I would love more people to get hold of in the world. This, the soil where I live is not ultimately my home. 
can sit light to that if, if God is my dwelling place. See the difference? don't have to be in this particular place if, my, if God is my home, my dwelling place. It's not the whole, it's not the whole answer in the Middle East, but it's, I think it's the heart of it. God is my dwelling place. He's a person. And Moses said God had been their home throughout all generations in verse 1. So you see, God, <laughs> see the hang of that? If God is going to have been your, grand, your great-grandparents' dwelling place and your grandparents and your parents and you and any children that come after you, then he must have been alive for a very long time. So the Lord is everlasting. In fact, verse 2 presses the point. Do you see? Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I just want to sit down and think about that for a moment. Before the mountains were born, from everlasting to everlasting. I think Moses must have been reading Genesis chapter 1, which is why I wanted to read it with you. You know? He's riffing on that amazing thought. You know the beginning of the Bible? In the beginning, God created. So for God to have created anything, it must mean that he was already there. So everything that we think of as forever and eternal, you know, Mount Everest or the continents or the planet Earth, God must have been there before. In the beginning, before the mountains were born. Sometimes my kids come home and um, someone at school... Uh, has said to them, often in a science lesson, science can explain everything. And so they come home and they say, Dad, science can explain everything. And I enjoy just saying to them, I think it can explain a lot. Are you sure it can explain everything? Can it explain where the universe came from? And we have good discussions. Can, it, can, it, can they explain where the Big Bang came from? What caused the Big Bang? I mean, if you're going to go down the Big Bang route, you need an answer to that, don't you? Because something, Aristotle, millennia ago, called this the, the uncaused cause. You need something to cause the big thing. Otherwise, where did the big thing come from? And the Bible says, the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So that's him. Sometimes Christians speak about God being outside of time, like he's just standing right outside. Time is happening over here. The big stream flowing past, God stands outside it. That phrase isn't actually in the Bible, but I found it a helpful thought. There must be in some sense in which time as we know it, this succession of moments hinging on physics and existence, God is removed from that. He is the master of it. Or as the, as the great hymn puts it, he is the potentate of it. Any of you know that hymn? Crown him with many crowns, the potentate of time. And I often sing that and think, what? Because I never use the word potentate, but I looked it up and it means master, ruler, or monarch. So for God to be the potentate of time, it means he, he rules over it all, like a king or a queen. The phrase actually comes up in 1 Timothy 6 in the old-fashioned King James version of the Bible. It says, God is the blessed and only potentate who alone hath immortality. So when you pray, you're speaking to the potentate of time. It's a bit like every clump of mortal dust in creation is in the river. You know, it's a bit like we're, we're in the river and uh, we're just slipping by with the passage of time. But God is the only one outside the river. He is the only immortal one. And we're saying, look, God, you are not like us. You, you don't age. You've always been there. Time does not slip past you. So, I wish I could spend more time thinking about the God who is outside of time, but... But ironically, the clock ticks on. The Lord is everlasting, right? That's our first thing. Let's turn secondly, and we're going to consider ourselves. 
I summarize it like this. Secondly, we will die soon. Hmm. Verses 3 to 11, we will die soon, which is so cheerful, isn't it? I bet you're glad you came to church today. Wow, what a message, Pastor. But there is a lot to be said for looking death full in the face. Often the people I admire most and who make the most of life are the people who have received a diagnosis, aren't they? I'm sorry to tell you, you have two months to live. And they make the most of time, don't they? I mean, they, they really look death full in the face and they think, well, if I'm going to die soon, then I better get on with it. I better put my relationships right. I better have all the experiences I've always wanted to have. Psalm 90 looks death full in the face more than any part of the Bible I've yet come across. Verse 3, you see that? You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. If you were here last week, see how that, that is very Adam. Do you remember we had the hoover dust and we said we're all made out of that stuff? Very humbling. So here God is reminding us, yes, we will all return to dust, whether at the crematorium or the cemetery. Verse four, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, to God, the time between the Battle of Hastings in 1066 and now, yeah, it's like a little time you might be awake in the night. I feel like a day to him. It's making the point that he is from everlasting to everlasting. It just doesn't register as a long time for him. Verse 5. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. I have this little patch of lawn that I get to look after next door. And Remember last summer? This summer was rubbish, 2023. But remember last summer? It was really hot. It was amazing. And um, my lawn just turned really yellow. I couldn't get it back. And I just had to wait for the rain to come. Well, a human being is a bit like that lawn. You know, in a drought, it springs up full of promise. But then it gets dry and withered. Your body gets dry and withered. Or skip down to verse 10. Do you see verse 10? Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If you've ever heard the old English phrase, three score years and ten. You ever heard someone say that? That's, that's, it comes from Psalm 90, because three score years and ten is 70. Or you might get four score years, that's 80, if you have the strength. That's a good innings, we tend to say. That quickly passes, though. As Adam Ramsey puts it in the book I was mentioning, um, you are not that big a deal and you're going to die soon, which is miserable, isn't it? Tick, 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 stop. Came across a Twitter account that is called the Daily Death Reminder and somebody out there is just posting the same thing every day. They call themselves the Daily Death Reminder. They only ever tweet the same thing. Do you know what it is? You will die someday and every day they just tweet the same thing and strangely people are lapping this stuff up I mean it's got thousands of followers and people hundreds of people are liking it and retweeting it every day I suppose it's because of the reminder do you know what that's true I better make the most of it there let me just develop this a bit this is on your sheets if you found the sermon outline then I'm just going to try and teach you two two bible words for time one is chronos and one is kairos. I actually need two volunteers. Would anyone be willing to come and stand here and hold some stuff for a minute? Anybody brave enough to do that for me? Joel, thank you so much for rescuing this. Uh, one other person who's willing, 
Tanisha, come on, thank you very much. Joel, would you put this around your neck? You are Kronos. Do you want to go there? Thank you. And Tanisha, you are Kairos. Okay. Now, these are, these are two different Bible words, right? So they're both true, and yet they mean slightly different things. It's, I found it a really useful way of getting our heads around time. Kronos, you are, you are the steady, unrelenting movement of time. You are the second hand on the watch. You, if we made you into a cartoon character, you'd be like Old Father Time, crossed with the Grim Reaper. And so we, I have for you here a clock. Can you hold that? And an hourglass. If I had a big size, I'd give that to him so he could be really like the Grim Reaper, okay? And if you had a, a move, you would just, can you just plod on the spot like that just steadily? Because you can't stop him. You can't stop Cronus. It's just tick, tick, tick. Thank you very much. <laughs> Done with style, right? You can carry on plodding if you like just for a minute, yeah. Um, but then we've got Kairos over here. Very good. Yeah, yeah, carry on. Because if I turn my back, you carry on plodding. Kairos, um, this is clock time, okay, so that's what it means, clock time. Kairos means the right time, the appointed time. So Kairos, you are, when the moment is right, that's the time. So f for that reason, I'm going to give you two tomatoes. And um, one of them is ripe, and one of them is not. You would eat the red one. And you would think, it's not the right time to eat the green one. It's, it's not yet the Kairos. It's not come yet. Would you mind holding that? If you had a movement, Kairos, you would be, you're kind of like nimble. You can, you can dodge. And if we can catch you, then great. You know, it's the right time. The time is ripe and I, I seize the moment. Got anything else? Got any, got any more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's very good. Guys, you're being very good sports. Yeah, yeah. Just... Stay with it. Yeah, yeah, you're good, good. Oh, this is excellent. This is going even better than I hoped. Stay with us for a moment. Feel free to keep moving. <laughs> the, the Bible has both, right? Both of them are true. Um, if I were to stereotype, Europeans are quite chronos, okay? We like to overschedule everything. We like to have timesheets. We like to manage our time. We save as much as possible. Ooh, yes, we love to spend time wisely. In other cultures, like I've heard Africans talk about African time. Uh, you say, when is the event going to start? They say, when everyone's here. And you say, and when, and when will it finish? When it finishes. And um, they are much, it's, it's, I find it very refreshing sometimes because it's about the right time. The, t the time when I'm with you is the right time. And other Africans say, look, you Europeans, you've got the clock, but we've got the time. See how both of those are true. Sometimes you need to get on with things. Sometimes you just got to be there with the people at the right time. Very good. Should we give him a round of applause? Thank you. You can put your props down. Thank you. Now, some, it, may, it may be that you, regardless of which culture you come from, you need a bit more chronos time. I could do with just getting on with some stuff. Or a bit more kairos time. Actually, I tend to over-regulate my time, and I just need to be present in the moment with the people that God has put me with. We can talk about that afterwards, if you like. Which one are you? Here's the key thing, I think, for the Christian to understand. This, so, so, if the Greek words, if that meant nothing to you. Okay, come back to me. Verse 7. 
we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. See how it talks about God's anger or indignation? Verse 9, all our days pass away under your wrath. That means anger. Or verse 11, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. You see how this, it, it wants to talk about the shortness of life, but also about God's anger. We, we live under God's anger. And in the Bible, those things, they weave together. You, you, you have to have one because of the other. So if you say, why, human being, will you die one day? The answer, ultimately, is because you're a sinner. So all the way back, you wind the clock right back to the Garden of Eden. That's the reason Adam and Eve returned to dust, because they broke the rules and they sinned. Sins are this fatal mistake. They are the reason death entered the world. They are the reason you can't master, ultimately, either Kronos or Kairos. I mean, you, you can't stop either of them eventually. It's a little bit like getting fired. So if you saw a colleague at work and, and they, they said, oh, I've just been fired. You might say to them, why? Why'd you, why'd you get fired? And they'd say, oh, well, I broke the rules. You know, broke the terms of contract. You would say, oh, okay, well, that's why you're on your way out the door. And so too to a human being. You could legitimately say, it's not very sensitive, why will you die? And they would say, ultimately, it's because I broke the rules. And I'm in Adam's line. I'm a sinner. That's the reason we die. So we're saying we will die soon. And there hasn't been a lot of good news in this sermon, has there? So let's just think, well, in positive terms, what do we do then? If the Lord is everlasting, but we will die soon. Well, let's use the words of the psalm, because in verse 12 it says, Teach us to number our days. That's Moses' answer. And um, in a few minutes, what I would like to do with you is just read out verses 12 to 17 together. And that will be our, our prayer at the end of the sermon. Verses 12 to 17. But if you're in denial about death and you don't want to number your days because it reminds you that you're mortal, it's very grim. There's, there's a prayer you probably don't want to pray. Lord, te- teach me to number my days. Oh, no, I'd rather not think about it. No, thank you. If you're a Christian, there are two crucial things here. So there is a God who relents and there is a God who resurrects. And both of these are world-changing. Verse 13 talks about a God who relents. Do you see? Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. And this blossoms wonderfully in Jesus Christ because God relents towards his poor, harassed, dust-bound people, comes into the world, not in anger, but in compassion. And he relents. He says, I have pity on you. God relents, and also God resurrects. And in verse 17, there's this amazing little verse. You see verse 17? It says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And that doesn't make much sense until you get to Easter Sunday. Because you could, you could work and work and work. You could have a stellar career, and you could get all the toys, and yet you die. And within a few decades, you are gone. And who gets all the toys then? There's a futility built into life which is really exasperating. Unless there's a resurrection. And that's why 1 Corinthians 15 says in the Bible, uh, at the very end of that amazing chapter about resurrection, it says, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Or in Old Testament terms, God can establish the work of your hands. So the things that you can do in your 80-ish years can have an eternal impact. The things you say can affect people for eternity. The things you do can be beautiful in God's sight for eternity because God can establish the work of your hands and they won't get whoosh, 
swept away when your funeral comes. And that, is all, that all hinges on whether Jesus is alive. If God resurrects, then you too could be resurrected. So we have a God who relents and resurrects. Just before we finish, let me get real practical with you. How do you number your days? If we're saying teach us to number our days, how do I do that? Um, can I explore seasons and the past and the future with you and then I'll shut up? The book, Adam Ramsey's book, talks about seasons and I found it very helpful. Uh, so spring, summer, autumn and winter, see if this fits. He talks about spring and broadly speaking, uh, 0 to 20 years of age, okay? Springtime, lots of growth. Everything is growing in you. You're, you've got lots of promise and optimism and opportunities for the future. We're not even in the full summer of adulthood yet. That is next, so don't hate me for this. 20 to 40, okay? Uh, that's like, he calls that summer. That's his words, not mine. Um, so you are, there's lots of defining moments between your 20th and 40th birth year. Lots of marriages and births, lots of um, potential. You're sort of contributing to the world and you might feel like you're in the full bloom of your physicality. You know, if my body ever was going to be good, this is kind of it. Then he says autumn, okay, uh, 40 to 60. His words, not mine. Uh, autumn, you are mature. You've, you've been through the summer. You've got all the wisdom that came from it. You're enjoying the fruit of it and uh, you're, you're giving back. But if you're in autumn, people don't consider you young anymore. You're in the autumn of your life. And then he says winter, let's call that age 61 to the end, till, till, till as long as you've got, okay? And he says winter, you've still got more to give. You might be in a phase of passing on what you've learned to other people, but you're slowing down. And you might, if you're a Christian, be looking forward to the springtime of the new creation. Because if you're a Christian... It doesn't end. It doesn't end after a cycle of seasons because you get this whole new springtime. You've got loads more to look forward to. Do you get it? You, you may well quibble about the precise boundaries, but do you get the idea? We all go through the season, spring, summer, autumn, winter seasons. And you'll know which season you're in, I suspect, depending on your age. Of course, God decides not everyone gets to their winter. You know, some people don't have that long. But that's normal. And if you know which season you're in, it helps you number your days aright. Okay, Lord, I, I see the phase of life I'm in. I, I see what you're calling me to in this period of my life. I'm not going to fight it. I can't fight it because time just keeps flowing past me. So that's seasons. Uh, the past, it is very easy to live buried in the past. You know, your mind can just be there the whole time. I regret so deeply you know, what has happened in the past, you might think. I wish I could turn the clock back but I can't. Of course, there's a more positive version of that where you say, oh, those were the days. I mean, in my youth, that was fantastic. Yeah, that, that, oh, with a certain nostalgia, I just look back at that. Oh, if I, could, if I could wind the clock back, that was brilliant. But I can't. Of course, memories are there to be enjoyed and those times are there to, to, to be a gift. But uh, the Christian is able to say, Lord, the past is the past. Thank you, you've forgiven me. And I need to live for you in the present. That's the particular gift that Jesus gives you at the cross the, the past is paid for and then finally the future it's very easy to live in fear of the future because you don't know what's going to happen I may or may not get a relationship 
an engagement, a promotion, a house, a role, an opportunity, an exam result. You can have a paralyzing FOMO, you know, a fear of missing out. But the Christian is able to say with verse 14, I will sing for joy and be glad all my days. Yes, all my days. All, all the days that I fear in the future. All the days I just cannot tell. I wish I had a crystal ball. All of those days I will be singing for joy because God will still be there and he is good. You can't fight the past. You can't control the future. So let me leave you with this. Let's live in the present. That's where God is calling us to be. He wants us to be faithfully present in the present. You can't beat time it will just run out on you one day. You can only seize so many Kairos moments before they too escape you. But you can make the most of it. You can not wish you were in the past or in the future or a different season, but just be glad you're here. And one of my mentors encourages people, he actually says this in church context, but I think it works in work. You could walk in every morning and say to, to God in prayer, so Jesus, what are we going to do together today? Let's pray together. And I would love as our closing prayer to read out Psalm 90 verses 12 to 17 together. Thank you, Derek, for standing up. If you're able to, should we, should we stand up and we'll offer this prayer to God with body and soul. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands.